before we get started here, Martin, I just want to let you know that I am keeping with the tea theme, technically. Hold on. Kind of. Is there tea in that? Um, no. Ha! <laughs> well, it says natural flavors. It might be tea. It could be tea. I don't know that it's I don't not. know if it is, though. I think you've violated the unspoken, you have to have some form of tea rule on this podcast. I was going to drink this whole thing on the way back. Oh, but then you didn't? Like kombucha's tea, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, it's fermented. Yeah, it's like fermented white tea or something like that. I don't or know. No, actually, it's actually black tea. Yeah, why'd you, and so why would you just assume it was white tea? There was no implication of that. I had a bottle at one point, and I thought that it said that. So I thought that kombucha was like always just white tea, but maybe it's just like all kinds of tea. Tea's not always white tea. That is true. You know? Yeah. So what, it's just like you just like let it ferment and get weird fungus on rules. it I think and then just, drink it? You just kind of rub the tea in a lot of dirty stuff, I think. And okay. And just make it. Just the, dirt the water? Ba- the bacteria just... I don't know how to make kombucha. <laughs> you just pour the tea in a dumpster, and then you come back, and you can get it back with a sponge, and then you drink it. You know our friend Matt? Yeah. I always defend him to people because I'm like, my friend Matt lives in Boulder, but he's he's not a life coach. But then like, I went over to his house a couple months ago, and he pulls out this giant thing of kombucha, and I'm like, He's brewing it himself. And I'm like, Matt, I can't. That's pretty cool. I can't defend you anymore. <laughs> you've, you've gone full boulder. You have a Subaru. Full boulder. Full boulder. You have a Subaru. You're brewing your own kombucha. Like, I can't. That's fair. I can't help you. It's all downhill from here. Does he have a dog? Mm-mm. I think his girlfriend wants a dog. Well, there you go. But uh, they do not have a dog yet. So I suppose they haven't gone like full all the way boulder, but they're close. Fair. Making your own kombucha is actually a pretty big step up. We haven't done that yet. I made my own soy so milk. So you are making your own soy milk. Yeah, you nerd. How uh, was it, by the way? That was pretty cool. I didn't ask you about it. Did it taste like the kind that you buy at the store? No. No, the mm-hmm. kind you buy at the store is like uh, the soybean flavors kind of mellowed out most of the time, and it's sweeter. Oh, okay. But if you get like a can of soy milk that was made in like Thailand or something, it'll taste a lot more of the soy flavor, and I like that. Gotcha. So, so it was like not sweet. I don't even know what well, soy it, it tastes can be like. sweetened. It's just like the soybean flavor is killed a little bit in Does like the mainstream like, brands. Like liquid tofu? I would not say that. It's okay. got kind of a nutty nutty flavor to it. Gotcha. A little bit. Like almond milk? Not like no? almond milk. I don't know. Describing tastes is hard because sure. I know it as a soybean taste. Yeah. And to describe it as anything else when nothing else tastes like that that I can think of is going to be off. That makes sense. I don't know. It's cool. I'll make it again. I see you have officially kickstarted fall for us. Yes. Well, it's cold outside. It is cold outside. That means I can wear clothes I like. Yes, that is true. Or I can just throw on a hoodie. I'm too lazy to wear clothes I like yet. Fair. At some point, I will get the motivation to do so. Anyway, guys, got five questions today. Another one of those five questions questions episodes. We have come full circle um, since I don't even know the last one was episode like 174, not a clue or three or something like that. Them. Anyway, for those of you who are new to the podcast, um, every so often we'll take five questions that we've been getting from email from, I don't know, Twitter from our Reddit at reddit.com slash R slash college info geek, or I don't know, smoke signals. Yeah. Crop circles. They come from somewhere. I'm they sure. come from somewhere. I find them like in my my Cheerios or not yeah, the Cheerios, like the, in the parking lot. Alphabet just soup. Screaming college questions. Yeah, Paul Wall's in the parking lot asking us questions. Yep. He owns the parking lot, but he wants to know about college success. Yes, he and does. Such. Why not? So today, guys, we're going to go through five questions. 
and um, just give you guys our best possible answer for those questions. Boom. So question number one, and I think you put all these together, correct? Yes. So that means you have to have all the insight and best answers. Fine. I can just relax. <laughs> you can just sit silently. I'll just sit silently. Yeah, I'll just I'll just watch and judge. You'll just awkwardly be on half of the I'll screen. I'll do like for no the reason. Caesar thing. Like <laughs> Yeah. Not that great. Yep. Question number one Do I need social media to succeed in university if I don't already have it? And there were some interesting opinions in the Reddit thread for this one. Oh yeah? Yeah. Because a lot of people were like, no. And some people mentioned Cal Newport's whole thing about social media being useless and selecting your network tools with um, intentionality, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on this one. It's always difficult to say like, yes, this tool will work for you or no, it won't because I have my own experience and I know I can look back and see like, okay, this happened because I did this on social media. But then I could always say like, okay, there's people like Cal Newport who don't have Facebook and they don't have Twitter and they've also been very successful. Yeah. So like what what do you say when somebody asks that question in a general sense? I mean, the question says need, right? So in that case, the answer is no. I guess so. Yeah. You don't need it. But obviously there's a little more behind that if we just go a little looser with, with the wording. Yeah. And I would say that there are a lot of drawbacks to social media and that I personally barely use it now. Like I tweet once a month, right. maybe, and really only use Facebook for messages. But that doesn't mean that like my LinkedIn wasn't useful in the past. My Twitter was useful in university to help me start to build a personal brand and take myself yeah. seriously. And it's also an easy way to reach out. I, at one point, there was an assignment to interview somebody in a field you cared about. And mm-hmm. most people just like defied the rules and interviewed family members anyway. Lazy. But, but I reached out on Twitter to one of the vice presidents of Evernote at the time, which is why I have that shirt that I'm always like wearing. I'm not just like Probably trying to shill for Evernote. I just happen to have that <laughs> shirt because I interviewed him. Likely story. But that happened because of Twitter. So yeah. it has benefits, but definitely don't just jump onto every social media thinking you need it. Yeah. It's uh, it's what Cal Newport calls the any benefit approach in his book, Deep Work. So basically it's like if I'm a farmer, I can go to the tractor supply store and – all the crazy tools and equipment that are on the shelves and sitting on the floor, every single one of those has some type of benefit. But they also have a cost. If I buy a hay baler, then I can bale hay. I can make my own hay. I will have to, or I will not have to buy it from the store. Yeah. But I have to buy a hay baler, which is incredibly expensive. And then I have to maintain it. I have to find space to store it. And I have to spend my time baling hay and making it. And I'm not a farmer, but I, I feel like the book that when it used that example, it said that it would also possibly like damage the soil or do something like it would use soil in a way that wouldn't be as good. Yeah, like I can't remember the, the whole picture. Yeah, maybe be like compacting it by driving <clears throat> over it or something. So in that example, the farmer was like, I could buy a hay baler, but I'm going to continue to just buy hay, have it delivered to me and then use my time and money for other things. So it's the same thing with social media. Like ask yourself, what am I doing? What are my goals? And will this particular social network help me get there? And also will like this particular usage of a social network get me there? Cause you have Twitter, yeah, but it's not like Twitter takes over your life. I doubt you even have the app on your phone, but you uh, have no, a Twitter. No, it is not on my phone actually. And it, it's cool because Twitter's still useful to me, Yeah, but it's not on my phone. 
I almost never do anything but check notifications, and then occasionally I'll tweet something. Mm-hmm. But that means that when I get notifications, I can still respond to people yeah. who tweet me. I can still like connect with people with almost none of the negatives because mm-hmm. when I go to see Twitter on my computer, this is going to seem really like full of myself at first, but – if I type in T into my thing, it'll go straight to my profile. I oh, want yeah. it to go to my profile, not because I want to see all my tweets, not because I'm just like, look how cool that is, but because I can see my notifications, but not the news feed. Yeah. I see no one else's tweets on there mm-hmm. because I don't want to get stuck reading them. So I go to my profile, check the notifications, and leave. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like maybe we can just talk about how we use social media here because it's hard to, again, put things in general terms. So maybe I can just give people some ideas for how to maybe limit the downsides while also benefiting from the upsides. It's probably useful because I think yeah. that a lot of the upsides are going to be nice mm-hmm. in college if you if there are school clubs that have a Facebook group yeah. or things like that. Yeah. So let's start with Facebook. Facebook is one of the best ways for me to remember people's birthdays. Like people – like I, I know your birthday. I know my girlfriend's birthday. I know like close friends' birthdays. But – I have a lot of friends where if I see their birthday, I can be like, oh, I could text them and say happy birthday. It's a good way to just sort of, you know, check in. Yeah. And they don't feel like I haven't talked to them in years. And Facebook is a great way for me to remember that. It's a great way to do groups and do uh, events. I think like most of the events we go to have a Facebook group or event page where we can go and be like, yes, I'm going. No, I'm not. So that's useful. What is not useful is the newsfeed. So I have an extension called Facebook Newsfeed Eradicator, and I yeah. have not seen my Facebook newsfeed for probably a year at this point. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the Facebook app on my phone because you clearly can't delete the feed on your phone. Yeah. So the only place I ever check Facebook is on my desktop or my laptop. Yeah. And then I also have an, I have an app called Focus. So like for certain periods of the day, Facebook and several other sites are blocked. So it's really just like, once a day, I'd go to Facebook, check it just to see what are my notifications. They're usually dumb. And yeah, do I have who any messages? Me? Is Things there an like event that. coming up? That's it. And then I guess from like a business standpoint, we have a Facebook page. We put our articles on that. And that has been see, I kind of, somewhat useful. I kind of forgot about that, honestly. <laughs> it does go like College of Geek on Facebook right now. No, I mean, like it, it brings in a few clicks, but it's nothing crazy. I don't know. I, I want to retain a position on that platform just in case, like, for some reason, Facebook video becomes the thing, you know, five years from now or Fair. something. Like, it's good to have <laughs> as a business. And I will say, as a business or when you are – I feel like once you put a name on something, like for you in your case, Polyglot back in the day. Yeah. It is worth it to go claim your name on the services that are, people are likely to look for you on, even if you don't use it. That way, if you happen to get famous, people don't make fake things. Yeah. There's a channel I follow on YouTube called um, uh, Primitive Technology. And he is like the most anti-social media person that you can get. He's He's got millions of subscribers, but his videos are literally just him out in the forest, like making primitive technology, like making mud bricks or building like a, a furnace or something completely out of stuff he finds in the forest. He cool. never addresses the camera. He never speaks. It is basically as if there was just a camera out there watching a dude 10,000 years ago work and build a little life for himself in the forest. That's interesting. And he just puts it up on YouTube. He doesn't even have ads on. All he has is Patreon. And in his descriptions, he's like, I don't have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, anything. So beware of fake accounts. 
So my thinking is like, I'm going to have those accounts set up just so that when people look for me, even if I don't want to use LinkedIn, like for example, there's going to be a college info geek on LinkedIn just so it's like, it doesn't point to like a phishing site or something. Yeah. So that's useful there for Twitter. Twitter has been incredibly useful for me. I mean, you said you've met the the BP of advertising or marketing at Evernote. I met several people on Twitter. Um, part of the reason my YouTube channel is as, as successful as it is is because of Twitter, because I was able to build some casual connections with YouTubers that eventually became solid friendships. Like, it's just, I don't know, there's something about Twitter. There's something about the ability to just tweet somebody without having to, like, have them be your friend on the network. Yeah. That makes it a very easy way to create a casual interaction with somebody you follow. And it's also a great way to just follow people who you think are really cool. Like I've got a certain interests. Maybe I'll go build a list on Twitter or just go follow those people who are at the top of that industry. And then I kind of keep up on it for a little while. Yeah. And because the, because if you're just tweeting somebody, it's public. Yeah. It feels less high pressure or weird and personal. Like if I was going to reach out to somebody I didn't know. And my first thing was I'm going to message him on Facebook that mm-hmm. might be like weird. And also Facebook might put it into the other inbox and they'll never see it anyway. Yeah. But with Twitter, it's just kind of like, Hey, what's up? If they never respond, I don't really care. But that's, yeah. what, that's what everybody does. It's part of the culture. Really. Exactly. Yeah. It's totally what it is. I mean, here's a good story. So there's a YouTuber named CGP Gray that I've been following for years. He's got like 3 million subscribers. His videos are amazing. Like you should go subscribe to him. If you have not done so, anybody listening to this, um, but I also listen to his podcasts and he's like a very private person who really doesn't respond to a whole lot of emails or really anything of the sort. So I kind of had it in my head like, okay, I'll probably never get to talk to Gray. Like that's just a thing. And then one day on Twitter, this was like two years ago when my YouTube channel was very small at the time, he just tweeted out, hey, does anybody still play Total Annihilation? Which is like this RTS game from 1998. So almost 20 years ago at this point. Uh, He's like, I need some footage for a video I'm working on. I need some very specific footage and I doubt anyone plays this game, but if you do, let me know. And I was like, actually I do play that game still. Nice. I have it on my computer and I spent enough time as a kid messing with the command console that I actually know the cheat codes to create the very specific scenario that you want. So I made him a little video. I sent it to him and he was like, thanks. And linked to my channel in the description of his video, which was like super cool at the time. And that just like, I didn't talk to him for two years after that, but that's, that planted like the initial seed. There was an interaction. And then at VidCon, I just tweeted him. I was like, Hey, I heard you're at VidCon. I would love to talk. And we talked. I ended up having like a two hour meeting. Yeah. And that wouldn't have happened without Twitter. Yeah. And now I work with the advertising company that is a part of. So it's like Twitter creates those very casual, low stakes interactions that can lead to something bigger with people who are very geographically dispersed. Like he's in London. So that's why I think Twitter is so useful because you can just, you can just have those interactions. LinkedIn. I'd say have a LinkedIn, but don't use it much. I don't know. I, I keep it up to date. Mostly it's probably up to date right now. In, in college, I, I always kept it up to date, but it's not like I posted statuses or links or shared things on it. I just kind of left a full thing up there so people yeah. could find me. I tried to make it the most complete version of my resume or work history or whatever. Yeah. Um, when they had plugins available, I don't even think they're available anymore, but at one point they had like a Behance widget that you could have on your LinkedIn. And Behance is like a 
it's like a portfolio site for graphic designers and artists and stuff. So I just put my website mockups and all the web design I've done in a Behance portfolio and then had that on my LinkedIn. So I don't know what it did. I know I've gotten calls from recruiters in the past who said, hey, I found you on LinkedIn. Um, in all those cases, I was already working somewhere else or whatever. So I wouldn't say that LinkedIn specifically led me to a job that I took, but it did bring me opportunities. Yeah. So for somebody out there who maybe isn't currently doing an internship or doesn't already have their own full-time job, an opportunity might come from that. Yeah. I think it's useful as long as you don't sink too much time into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So bottom line here, it's up to you to decide whether or not it's useful for you make that a critical decision, like think hard about it, but also realize like there are varying levels of usage. So if, if your qualm with social media is that they're taking your data and you don't have privacy, that's a different issue. But I think what, um, what bugs a lot of the people who listen to our show is that social media is a huge distraction and it makes you less productive. And there are things you can do to minimize that impact while still having an account. Yeah. 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 You don't have to completely kill it. So that's my answer for that one. Um, I guess the other the other con with Twitter is you constantly see people complain about politics. That is a bit annoying. Well, <laughs> uh, fair. But it not does if happen. you don't look at the news feed. That's true. All right, question number two. Do extrinsic rewards kill intrinsic motivation? Yes, in some cases. In some cases. There's a, there's a name for it. It's yeah. the over-justification effect. Yep. And actually, I copied the Wikipedia definition just so I could like say exactly what it was here. So the overjustification effect occurs when an expected an expected external incentive, such as money or prizes, decreases a person's intrinsic motivation to perform a task. The overall effect of offering a reward for a previously unrewarded activity is a shift to extrinsic motivation and the undermining of pre-existing intrinsic motivation. Once rewards are no longer offered, interest in the activity is lost. Prior intrinsic motivation does not return and extrinsic rewards must continuously be offered as motivation to sustain the activity. So basically, if you're already doing something and they say, oh, hey, we're going to offer you a reward to do this better. It kills the reason you were doing it for, you know, like the love of it or something in the first place. Yeah, eventually, that's the idea. Eventually, the external reward can kind of trick you into thinking that's why you're doing it. Yeah. And then you forget to like it. And... I mean, this is a very vague but a very easy example is that you won't see a lot of people who have high-paying jobs doing something also doing that same thing for free on the side, even if they mm. used to. Yeah. If I used to fix my family's computers and then I get a job doing it, I'm now just really annoyed when they ask me and have no interest in helping them. Mm-hmm. It's my job to do so now. Stop asking me. Even if last year with no job, I was happy to learn and get the experience and help them out. Yeah. And our friend Ryan knows this because he's a super good cook. And we've been like, Ryan, why don't you go get a job as a chef? And he's like, it would kill the love. Yeah, it, it kind of want to do that. And it, and it would make it so that in some cases you just don't want to do it in your free time, especially if it's a yeah. job. But yep. Uh, one thing I did <clears throat> see was that and I didn't look too deep into this because. Eh, but there was some research that indicated when it was a quality based reward that it would affect your intrinsic motivation less. So if if the reward you get is based on how well you're doing, so like grades was the example they gave, there is still some intrinsic benefit to feeling like you did good at something. So, so basically the external it's like, reward doesn't immediately kill it. It's more harmful if it's just like a, we're going to give you money 
for just doing what do you're doing. Do I try always. harder and care more about a class that gives me a grade or a pass fail grade? Yeah, that makes sense. In one, I do the bare minimum to get the pass maybe because it doesn't really matter and I don't care and I'm only doing it for the pass. But if the one you get a reward, but it's also like a reflection of how well you did, it can affect you less because there's still the benefit of I did well and that makes me yeah. feel good. I want to try. So you're at least being given a scale where you can kind of evaluate yourself yeah. and see yourself improve. I can understand that. But yeah, I, I've definitely had this happen to me before, um, like with web design. I remember I had a friend online and she was like, my website sucks. And I was like, hang on. And in one day I redesigned her website and looked awesome. And I had so much fun doing it. And she didn't ask me. I just did it in Photoshop. And then I coded up the WordPress template and I sent it to her. And I was like, here you go. And I didn't get paid for it at all. Like I was just like, yeah, I thought, you know, when you said that it sucked, it would be fun to redesign it. So I did. But then like later on, I started getting web design jobs and motivating myself to do it was the hardest thing in the world. I was like, I know I'm getting paid, but I just, I don't want to do it now for some reason. Yeah. So it's definitely happened to me. The one caveat I wanted to say about this though, is a lot of times you don't have intrinsic motivation in the first place. And in those cases, extrinsic motivation can help. Oh yeah. So like if I really don't like running, but I need to go running because it's what I've chosen to do in you know the winter or something to keep myself in shape then maybe i would use bminder to ensure that i'm running or maybe i'd use an app like couch to 5k you're not killing your intrinsic motivation you didn't have any i didn't have any at all right so like right now i love skateboarding so if i was like to be like all right i'm gonna pay myself this much money or something if i skateboard and practice in a certain way maybe that would kill it it might but it might make it so that you're less likely or or like Pokemon Go. If you get super into that, but you loved just taking walks and enjoying nature before, now it might be hard to take those walks without the reward of having Pokemon Go on yeah, and leveling up all your stuff because you're like, well, what's the point of the walk now if I'm not hatching this egg? Yeah, I think it's a question of like, where's your intrinsic motivation already? Because like when I was using Fitocracy, I was super motivated to work out. It pushed me so hard. That's the reason I almost died riding my bike that one time. Oh, yeah. Because I went out with the sole intention to get the 30-mile achievement. And then as I was on the trail, I was like, maybe I could get the 50-mile achievement. And it was like, it was super motivating, probably dangerously motivating. And I don't know, like even with cycling now, I like riding my bike, but I don't think I ever liked it enough to go out for a 50-mile ride without using Strava to track it or to see where my route was or something. Yeah, without so, something that's saying, I'm going to give you this gold star. Yeah. You're just, you don't care about that level. Yeah. So I suppose the overall lesson here is like, if you already love doing it, beware of extrinsic motivation creeping in. Uh, if it's something that you need to do or that's going to get you closer to a goal, but you don't necessarily like doing it right now, then building in an extrinsic reward or some sort of consequence can be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Number three. Should I use an alarm or let my body decide how much sleep I need naturally? This is a good question. So in a perfect world, I think you'd let your body decide. Like, there'd be no reason not to. In a perfect world, I'd probably just wake up with the sun and go to bed when it's dark. That's the thing, though, right? In a perfect world, the sun would go down. Or I guess, a perf- let's say a perfect world from your body's perspective. Because... Our brains and, you know, our interests and the things that we like to do 
from that perspective, it's easy to say, well, I love being able to turn on electric lights and stay up at night and play video games and not have to go to bed till 10. Oh, yeah. Like, I love that. Don't give up all the technology in the world just for right. sleep. Yeah. So it's just like from your body's perspective, your body is adapted over thousands and thousands of years using a day to night cycle determined by the sun. There wasn't electric light. Maybe there was candles, but that's really all you had. And candlelight is mostly not on the blue spectrum, which has like the most effect on your brain's knowing whether it needs to go to sleep or not. So essentially it's like the sun goes down. Okay. I've got very little light left. I'm going to go to bed. And for most of human history, again, we didn't have clocks. It's actually the development of clocks is actually very interesting because it took a very long time to develop a clock that didn't get very, very out of sync very fast. Like hmm. one that was accurate. So there was no alarm clocks. I mean, I guess you could say like a rooster is an alarm clock. It's kind of weird to think that we didn't always do. I'm going to meet you at 615 exactly. It was just kind of mm-hmm. you show up at roughly the right daytime looking thing. You kind of know what's going on, but it's not to the minute. Like we're super yeah. stressed about time now, but time as we use it is something we've only been using for a little while. The real crazy thing for me when I learned about that was like realizing for most humans throughout history, time was never segmented. But like it's so ingrained in our brains that I literally can't think of time as anything but segmented. Like I can it's divisible. I can be like, all right, half a second or a quarter second or a millisecond. But I can't think of time as just like a flowing substance that is just one thing. You can't help but think of it in the amount of hours you're doing something. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to realize like the way we think of time and the way that we behave using it is pretty new relatively. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So to make a long story short, in a perfect world, biologically speaking, you would go to sleep when your body says go to sleep. And your body would say go to sleep because the sun goes down. Um, the suprachiasmatic nucleus in your brain is given signals by these light receptors in your eyes. It says, all right, the day and night cycle is turning to night and your state, your circadian rhythm is basically tuned to want to go to sleep at that time. Yes. Your brain releases melatonin. You go to sleep in this world. I accidentally stayed up a little too late (laughs) because I was finishing something because I thought it would be late because I do have a conception of time that makes me late for things. Yep. And uh, then I wake up later in the wrong sleep stage and hate myself and would never have gotten up at the right time. Yeah. So let's touch on the sleep stage thing real quick for people who don't know. And I have a video on this we can link to in the show notes. It was I think it's about like how to make sure you get to bed on time. I think that's the one that explains sleep cycles. Essentially, on average, a human will go through a 90 minute sleep cycle starting at like this phase one, which is a very light state of sleep. It's not very deep. And then you'll go down to phase two, phase three. Phase three is very deep. And then you shoot up into REM sleep. REM sleep, your brain activity is very close to what it's like when it's awake, actually. And then you'll go into a near waking state and then you kind of repeat it. So over the course of the night, if you're sleeping enough, you should go through about five of these, which relates to about, you know, seven and a half hours. Some people need more. Some people need less. Some people have longer sleep cycles and shorter. So it's hard to say like exactly. Yeah. But like you said, if you wake up like using an alarm in the wrong stage, like you're way in deep sleep, you're going to feel super groggy. Oh, yeah. And like, sleep, sleep inertia, I think it's called where yeah. you're, you're more or less kind of drunk for the like Pretty your much. mind is half. It's part of it is waking up. It's booting. Yeah. And 
I guess what I would do if I was trying to fix this, and I probably should soon because I have not been sleeping well this week, but there have been times in my life where I get so used to the alarm clock and I go to bed at the same time, you know, and get a proper schedule like my body wants me to have. Mm -hmm. Then I wake up naturally like 20 minutes before the alarm and then I'm just like, oh, nice. And then the alarm is a backup device. That's the thing. So I think that's like the middle ground here. Find a time at which you can go to bed where your body will naturally wake up before the alarm goes off, but then have the alarm yeah. as a safety mechanism just in case you don't happen to wake up. Yeah, and if you've so been you sleeping be super bad, it might it might take some time. It might take a week or two for your body to now start waking up by itself before the alarm. You get yeah. used to it. Well, but, I mean, that's a factor of like how consistent is your sleep schedule? Yeah, it, a lot of people sleep on the weekends. Is good. You know. So I think that that happens a lot of people who sleep in on the weekends will find that their body doesn't naturally wake up at the time they'd like during the weekdays because the body doesn't know when to wake up. It's just like, all right, there's an alarm. I guess I use that. In the episode where you were interviewing uh, Dr. Bruce, the sleep doctor, he mentioned that even on the weekends, it would be better to still wake up within like a half hour of when you normally do so that you're still more or less on the same schedule. Because if you choose to sleep in or stay up till 9 billion in the morning, Mm -hmm. then it's not going to help you adjust for next week. Yeah, exactly. And every Monday, you're going to really be pushing yourself. Yep. And it gets harder as you get older. Everything does. <laughs> so bottom line on this one, um, go to bed early enough to where you wake up naturally, but then have that alarm as a backup or use a site like sleepytie.me, which can help you to calculate when you should go to bed based on when you should wake up or vice versa using the science of sleep cycles. But again, remember, your sleep cycle might not be 90 minutes. So yeah. there there's experimentation those, that may need to be done. Isn't there a thing on the iPhone? And I, th- I know there's an Android app that like tries to sense when you're in the right stage within yeah. a half hour window and wake you up. I don't it's know called how well sleep cycle work, alarm. but I used to use them. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that's useful. I don't want my phone on my bed is the thing. Yes. That's what I don't want. I don't want my phone under my pillow. I don't know if they've like maybe improved it to where like it can just hear your breathing patterns or something. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But those are things, I guess. I learned about sleep cycle alarm back in 2010 when I had an iPod touch. And back then there was like some reported issue that was super rare and it wasn't with the iPhone. It was only with the iPod touch where like the sleep cycle alarm app would make the iPod touch overheat. Oh, no one told me that. So I was like spooked and I'm like, I'm not going to use that app because I don't want to overheat my brand new iPod touch. And it's been seven years, so I'm sure that whatever bug has been in that has been ironed out many times yeah. over, but I just never gave it a try. If it worse, worse comes to worse, I mean, it's something to look into, but yeah. you probably don't need it. I never understand how the health app on my iPhone knows when I sleep. Because well, it app, has like a sleep history on it. Is it just like I when I put use, it down? You put it on like on the bed, not under the pillow, but like it senses the vibrations of the bed of you tossing and turning at the right stages or something, something like that. I'm just going to knock my phone off my bed. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there are obviously there are a lot of things that could go wrong with something that needs to be in that position while you're sleeping. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess people can try those out. I'm probably just going to keep trying to go to bed yeah, early If you enough. just get used to it on the schedule, you won't need that. Yeah, exactly. They're just cool. Yep. Okay. So this was an interesting question. Question number four. How do I future-proof a portfolio site and domain yes. name if I plan to get married and change my last name in the future? I did like that question. Yeah, this is actually didn't a very interesting it. question. Well, I guess I have before, but I didn't think of it as a question for mm-hmm. the podcast. I wanted to start by asking a question that kind of comes before that, which is that do you need to change your last name if you get married? 
Well, this person in particular wanted to. They want to? Okay. Yeah. But obviously one choice then is just not to change your last name. That's fair. Because I I see it as like becoming more and more of a thing where people are establishing an online presence. They're establishing like a name for themselves. Changing your name really uproots that. If if you're going to change it across the board. I guess I have seen some people who they they get married. They will change their name legally. But then they keep using their maiden name online professionally. So – that is also an option, I suppose. Yeah, I would think you <clears throat> could do you could do like a hyphenated name and keep it. You could set your current last name as a second middle name and just go by your go oh, go yeah. go by that. Keep it as part of your name, but then use the other name. If you want to change your last name, then there are certainly ways to do it. You could get a branded URL that isn't your name, isn't first name last name dot com, but is some sort of thing that represents you. Okay. Or you could simply buy a domain now and know that you're going to permanently redirect it in the future. So if I get like okay. Sonic Metal X Fan 2017. Yeah, like if that's your like most, that's what if I that's should... the most professional thing you could come up with, then good luck. Because <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go places. You're gonna go fast. Yes, I can tell. I am gonna go very fast. <laughs> I gotta go fast. So. Yeah, but you could also just like get the domain name and redirect it later. That's always an option. Yeah. But I know that Ashley and I have talked about this because she likes to use her naming and her branding. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't so know, like make you, it, make it a guys, second middle name and just keep going by it. I don't care. If you guys get married, do you even know like if you're going to do I, the I haven't last name thing? I thought about it a, a lot. I always thought if Anna and I got married, like it would be like she'd be Anne Frank basically. Yeah. Um, also – my other idea with Anna was just for us to like merge our last names to Frankenberger, Frankenberger, which would be great. I'm sure that future future generations looking at their genealogy being really confused are going to love it. From Frank to Frankenberger. Why did that happen? And then we were going to start like a spooky know. themed restaurant called Frankenberger. You could still do that. We're That's still a next, cool idea we're gonna already. Put it next to, we're going to like put it next to Zombie Burger and then eventually just merge with Zombie Burger. No, I like it. And you got like little bolts coming out of green dyed burgers. It'll be really gross, but yeah. people are going to buy it. I don't know what the bolts are going to be. Maybe just bolts. Like little it, mushrooms. Little mushroom caps. That's not a bad idea. Don't – do not steal. This they, is they original, this original character. Do not steal. Unless there's somebody out there who is named Frank and no, this their is, girlfriend's last no, name is Ellen Burger or something with Burger. Do they it. can't steal this We're idea. We're going all in. This is the last podcast. We're going all in that's on Frank and Burger. We're doing it. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Okay, so I had a couple of things written down here. Number one, question the whole do you need to change your name thing. If you want to, um, change your name, keep your accounts. If you know you're going to marry, get ahead of the marriage date and reserve all those accounts that you're going to need. So if you are on Twitter, go register. Or Maybe not Twitter. Twitter's a weird one. The way I had to change my Twitter name is I actually changed my account's Twitter handle to Tom Frankly from Thomas Frank 09. But then I went and made a new Twitter and registered Thomas Frank 09 because it becomes immediately available when you switch. Oh. Just so I had it because if people came to that old one, I didn't want it being taken by, again, like a spam bot or something. Interesting. So I have both. But if you go to the old one, it just says, hey, this is old and dead. Go to my new one. So with a domain name, like if you're going to change your name from Ellenberger to Frank, like go get the new domain name and just have it so you know you're going to be able to use it. And then again, you could, if you choose to maybe maintain your professional name, like your maiden name as your professional name, redirect the new one to it. Yeah, that way if people type in your new name dot something and they think that's it, it goes that or the opposite way around if you Mm -hmm. like. On the other hand, if you're going to start 
just using your new married name as your online presence, then you'd want to do, what is it, a 301 redirect? I don't the remember, permanent but one? I would, yeah, I'm fairly certain that's it, okay. but I would absolutely always double check this yeah, kind of thing Yeah, you want to double check. This is a little bit of, like, if you have a website, it's a little bit of a technical thing, but a 301 redirect is a permanent redirect. So SEO-wise, that would tell Google, okay, this domain has moved here. When you change domains, there's always some cost. Um, the bigger your site is, the worse it's going to be. Like if we changed College Info Geek to I really love frenchfries.com, all the social share counts would go away. Taking. You just need to find out. <laughs> you got to go register that now. Yeah. But we could at least do a redirect and eventually Google would find out, all right, this site is redirecting over here and hopefully pass all the SEO on. Yeah. I've never had to do this before and it scares the bejesus out of me, but theoretically it should work. It works. So, yeah. It still scares me, though. I've done it on other Anything websites. with Google scares me, basically, because it's a big black box, and I have no idea what to do with it <laughs> yep, <laughs> or what just, it's going to do if I change just something. just controlling your soul. Sometimes I'm just like, if I, if I change this one word in the sidebar, is my entire site going to go away? And I know it won't, but I still wonder. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully that's helpful. We can link to an article about this. I found one. Um, oh. It was like webtalentmarketing.com, and there was a blog post about this. So there's all kinds of different steps you can take. So we'll have that in the show notes. And we have one more question to cover before this episode is over. Question number five. Can having a girlfriend slow down your activity? Is a relationship more of a benefit or an inconvenience? Heavy question, man. Yeah. I guess the first thing that I wrote down here, my first thought was like, is a relationship going to make you happy? Because if it does, does it really matter if it slows you down a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the answer is mostly yes. I guarantee you I would get more work done if I was just like all by myself all day long, locked up in my room trying to code myself to some confidence. It's not necessarily yes, though. It's not necessarily yes if the happiness you. makes you better. Yeah. Like but, maybe if you were happier, you would like if you, what if you were like depressed because you were lonely and then oh, you yeah. got in a relationship and you met somebody who just motivated the crap out of you. And then you worked super hard when you weren't hanging out with them. Well, like, it, it could, could technically it could make be you better. more productive. I just mean like, see, I was always the kind of person who tried to funnel all of my insecurity into things I could be proud of. Yeah. So then I could work really hard. But the thing is, even if I could, even if let's assume that I could work more if I wasn't with Ashley. I don't care. Yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah, I don't care. Uh, Ashley, you're holding me back from sadness and <laughs> and, and uh, occasionally questioning why I'm working so hard on everything because at some point it'll all be gone. I could be making $65,000 a year don't leave instead me. of $60,000 a like, year like and what, be lonely, uh, what, but what why? Am I, what am I going to do with all that? Yeah. I, I don't care. Also, she's very supportive of all the stuff yeah. I work on and vice versa. So I get enough of my potential done, if not more than my previous potential. Mm -hmm. To there, It doesn't matter. It's not like – I suppose if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and they're like 100 percent of the time, don't work on that. Come give me attention. Then you've probably – yeah, that's a different problem that has nothing to do with exactly. the potential of them. I think when people ask this question, they maybe know somebody – who has a girlfriend or boyfriend that does monopolize their time or they found that they don't get as much work done, but it's all about the context. It's all about the specific scenario. So if you are a hyper ambitious person with a crazy class schedule right now and a part-time job and all of your time is going to work, then yes, maybe getting in a relationship is going to slow you down. 
but that's only one potential situation. Like maybe right now you're spending a lot of time playing wow or something. And if you got in a relationship, maybe you'd spend a little bit less time playing wow, hanging out with your girlfriend, oh, being no. a happier person and still getting your homework done. If I can't get these raids in today, <laughs> then what am I doing? I don't know. We're man. done. I got to get my mouth We're over. <laughs> um, I also wanted to split this into two questions because I think this is going to give people uh, better context. So the questions are, should I actively pursue a relationship in general or if I meet somebody and there's chemistry, should I push them off in the name of productivity? Ooh, those are so, very different situations. Yeah, right. Like basically it's like if, if you've met someone and you're like, man, I really like this person, but I don't know if they're going to hurt my productivity. Like that's a very different question. And I have a much stronger opinion about you should probably just see if it works because, you know, being together with somebody is going to make you happy. Don't give yourself like a very obvious that's regret. That's part of human, human existence, You're right? You regret that. It's like sharing your bad. life with somebody. Um, on the other hand, if it's like, I wonder if I should go out and look for a girlfriend or maybe I should just focus on my studies. Then it's a little harder for me to be like, you really need to go out and look for a girlfriend, you know, screw your studies. Oh, no, like I mean, that's, if you don't have somebody in mind right now and you are worried about your productivity, just worry about your productivity, right. you know, don't, but then if you happen to meet somebody organically, don't let your productivity and your goals get in the way of that. Yeah. That's my position. I always liked not trying too hard and focusing on other stuff anyway, because then when opportunities pop up, it's a pleasant surprise mm-hmm. as opposed to like the, uh, if I, if I can't make this work somehow this week, I'm going to feel really bad Yeah, bec- because I'm focused only on that. Mm-hmm. But also if you're really busy and you want to be with somebody, just be with somebody who enables you to be busy. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was with Ashley when she was working nights. I was working all day long going and, and going to school during some of it. I stayed up super late and didn't sleep enough for a long time because I could see her for like a half hour yeah. at like one in the morning when she got home. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then we hung out on Saturdays to make up for the week being so busy. Yeah. And it was fine. We weren't like hurt by that. It's just life is busy. And I mean, Ashley works hard. Yeah. Like you guys are together. You've been together for four years, but she goes to work during the day and she regularly comes home and works on design stuff at home. Uh, many like, times you guys will come over just here like, and she just brings her laptop. We're going to go to the cool tea shop. We're going to get some, some fun drink. We're going to work for a couple hours on our projects and we just go ignore each other at the table and yeah. excitedly work on stuff. And then we come out of that really refreshed. If, if you're going to be really ambitious and you're worried about it, date somebody who's compatible with that. Yeah. When I met Anna, she was a sophomore design school which meant that she had basically a metric buttload of homework every the, single night. 50 times of each homework. You yeah, do 50 fi- times 5,000 sketches and then 5,000 sub-sketches of each of those sketches. That's like not even that much of an exaggeration. She'd come on and she's like, yeah, I'm supposed to make 20 detailed sketches and then the professor's going to throw away 19 of them and tell me to go on <laughs> one of these. Let's imagine art was, was evolution. I want you to start <laughs> with your first sketch, right? And then I want you to create the next level and then the next level and create 50 yep. layers. A whole Darwinian of, tree. Of art evolution and, and it's due happens. tomorrow yeah it's due tomorrow obviously and it's all it's all horrible yeah so we would just meet at the library and like you just said sit across the table from each other work really hard on our stuff but just also be secure and happy in the knowledge that we were with somebody we loved yeah like that was pretty great so the other thing i'll say here is like as with anything in a relationship communication is key if you are with somebody and you feel like they're holding you back from your goals communicate that 
Maybe they're just like, oh, I didn't realize you wanted to be doing that stuff. And we don't have to break up. You can just go work on that stuff more. Oh, and yeah. We'll plan like, like more fun things instead of just like watching movies every night. Maybe we'll plan like a really fun day this Saturday or something. Yeah. Even if you're just like maybe. I think that I need more time for my project. What if I just like took Sunday afternoons, right? And I'm going to I'm going to go off somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to work on my stuff. Then I'm going to come back. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you can work on it. You can make something work. Mm hmm. Yeah. So talk to the person that you're with. Yeah, it's not an either or. <laughs> you're not having kids. Like if you're if, if you have a kid, obviously that is going to take a lot of your time. I mean, even Tesla had his pigeon thing. Yeah. You know, you but know, if, everybody if needs love. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're with like an independent adult, then they have the ability to go do their own thing if you need to do your thing. And it's not like they're going to be glued to your leg all day long. Yeah. Every single day. So. Hopefully that answers that question to whoever asked it. And uh, hopefully we answered all five of these questions pretty well. Probably not perfectly, but well enough. If you guys have questions of your own, you want them to show up in five questions episodes or potentially become the basis for entire topical episodes. Um, we have a subreddit that is collegeinfogeek.com slash community. You can leave questions in the YouTube comments down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, we have Twitter um, there are smoke signals. There are interdimensional gates that you can send things through and they may show up on my desk. I'd watch out for the smoke signals. We're in Colorado. Somebody's going to start. That a fire. is true. Don't start fires. Actually use the interdimensional gates. Smokey the bear y'all. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to beat you down. Uh, and show notes for this particular episode are over at CIGpodcast.com slash 179, or they will be in the YouTube description down below. Um, one last thing, if you guys like this show, if you are enjoying it, one great way to support it is to go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts on your uh, iPhone and give it a rating and review. That helps us to move up the charts. It gets the show out to more people, and it just lets us know what we're doing right and what we can improve upon. So thank you if you do that. Thank you, as always, for watching, and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.